Hello, my name is Blair Murphy and this is The Bishop's Office, a podcast where I talk to members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints about their conversion, missionary service and life experiences. This week I'm speaking to Ted Phipps about his conversion experience. When I moved with my family to Adelaide about 11 years ago, Ted was called as our home teacher. And in one of his regular visits, he shared his conversion experience with me. And at the time, I was struck by the power of conversion experiences and remembering conversion experiences and sharing conversion experiences. And it was at that time that sort of the beginnings of this podcast were born. And 10 years later, I found a way to to find and to share people's conversion experiences with you. So um, I hope you enjoy Ted's experience as much as I did at that time. Um, It's really wonderful. I've broken this conversation into two episodes. The first episode today speaks about Ted's experience in joining the church. And next week when you tune in, um, you can hear about a bunch of experiences that Ted's had since joining the church and how the gospel has blessed his life. How are you, Ted? Good to catch up with you. I'm good, Bishop. Thank you. Um, we wanted to spend some time today talking about your conversion and I guess by extension your wife Margaret's conversion. Mm-hmm. But before we jump into that, um, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Well, um, my father was a nominal Catholic and my mother was a nominal Methodist, but they didn't go to church at all. By nominal, do you mean sort of culturally or or whatever? Yeah, culturally. Mm. And we really never had much discussion of religion at all in our home. So you could say I grew up in an a-religious home. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think uh, up until the age of about 22, I only ever went to church about twice. Mm -hmm. So... I was really, I think, agnostic towards religion. Mm -hmm. And I guess in those 22 years, do you feel like there had ever been a time when you had wondered about sort of life's great questions, you know? Is there life after death? Is there meaning to life? Those sorts of things? No, I think um, our family was basically a working class family and my father was a, a carpenter and you know, the economic ups and downs of credit squeezes and such, you know, from time to time he was in and out of work. That just aroused in me a sense of what I thought should be in terms of fairness and opportunity, economic opportunity. Mm -hmm. I sort of, I think the closest I got to religious questions or important questions of life was really the issues of what was socially fair or social justice. Mm Okay, so there was this sort of sense of fairness in in your life then. Did you grow up here in Adelaide? No, in Melbourne. Melbourne. I, yeah, yeah. I've okay. always lived in Melbourne. And um, how old were you when you met Margaret? I was 22. Okay, 20. so about that same age. Yeah, yeah. Okay. about 22. And how did that happen? Well, because of my interest in social justice issues, I was actually a member of the Young Labour Association. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I became quite interested in politics. And we had the Young Labour Ball, which occurred in the winter of every year. And uh, I was, at the time, I was in my second last year at uni doing engineering. I was really just full on in the study. I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. And uh, anyhow, we had the ball coming up. So I said to a friend of mine, I said, oh, I don't really have anyone to take. 
and he was a teacher and he said oh there's a girl at our church he said um she might be willing to go with you i'll ask her and uh, a couple of weeks later we're hanging out together and i said um oh did you ask that girl and he said oh yeah he said she's willing to go with you and he said let's go around to her place now and i thought oh what? unannounced <laughs> he said yeah it'll be fine so we went round to see margaret and uh she was there and I was really, really smitten. You know, she was so easy to talk to and so relaxed and so friendly. And uh, we went to the ball together and we got on like a house on fire. And that was the beginning. Love at first sight, do you think? Is that how you describe it? Yeah, I would. I, I think I started calling her virtually every day if you know, after the ball. Yeah. And so what year would this have been? Um, so this would have been 1964. Uh-huh. So um, you guys eventually get married then? Yeah, so we got married at the end of 1966. So I had just finished my engineering degree. Okay. So I understand that the missionaries contacted your family at some point. So what was happening in your life? How did you um, get familiar with the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Well, it's, it's interesting work progressed I think we had been married for 10 years mm-hmm. and uh, by this time we were living in Canberra mm-hmm. kids we had the two boys yeah okay. Simon was nine and Matthew was seven so we are living in Canberra we had had a passing contact with the missionaries before when we were living in Coburg before we went to Canberra mm-hmm. I was at uni doing my MBA and the missionaries knocked on our door and they were very persuasive and but I turned them away and after I told Margaret, she said, who was that? And I said, oh, it's the missionaries and wouldn't let them in. She was very annoyed with me. <laughs> why do you think she was annoyed? Well, Did she just think it was rude or what? No, I think she was searching. Okay. Yeah, she was definitely searching. She'd been searching for a long time. Hmm. Or true religion, like she, she'd been, she'd been brought up a Catholic, mm. very strict Catholic, and she went to a Catholic boarding school in Ballarat. She, she thought about being a nun at one stage, yes, didn't she? For yeah. four years. So, mm. um, she was at the uh, was a sister Sisters of Mercy, I think it was called Sacred Heart College in Ballarat. She was really impressed by the example of the of the nuns. You know, in those years, it wasn't that usual for women to have degrees mm. um, but you know quite a few of these nuns had two degrees and uh, they were very well educated Mary was just really impressed by their example but she had in her mind that she wanted to be dedicated to God mm. and she thought that becoming a nun perhaps having a vow of silence mm. all of that was one way of showing her dedication to God mm-hmm. um, and so if we Go back to Canberra then. Um, so you've turned the missionaries away at your previous house yes. and you're, you're in Canberra now. Um, do the missionaries knock on your door? Or? Yes, so the missionaries, um, the first time they knocked, by this time, uh, we'd been in Canberra about two and a half years and uh, there'd been a change of government and I had just been appointed as the general manager of the Land Commission in South Australia. So I was moving across to Adelaide and then Margaret would come over every month and I'd go back every month so we'd see each other every two weeks. And the missionaries just knocked on our door as we were getting ready to go to the airport so we couldn't let them in. 
And then Margaret reported that there were two other occasions when they knocked and she had a parent-teacher's night, one because she was a teacher at the mm. time, parent-teacher's night, and another time her and the two boys were going out to visit someone, friends. Mm. So it just didn't happen anyhow. Finally, I think it was the fourth time, she let the missionaries in. What has she told you about that first encounter with the missionaries? Well, the missionaries taught her over a period of about five weeks. She was sceptical at first because, in her view, she, you know, she had drifted away from the Catholic Church and then she'd searched other Eastern religions, etc. And basically she felt that she had sold her soul before and she didn't want to be let down. Mm -hmm. So she was sceptical. Mm. And then as the missionaries progressively taught her, she was hoping more and more that what they said was true. Mm. She wanted it to be true, but she was still you know, quite sceptical. On about the fifth lesson, she said to them, well, you know, you, you know it's true, mm. but how can I know it's true? You know, I don't know it's true. I would mm. like it to be true. Yeah, so on this fifth lesson, um, she'd been taught up to that stage by two missionaries. I think one was Elder Heard and the other was Elder Nielsen. Then Elder Nielsen went home and Elder Nelson came, <laughs> or vice versa. Anyhow, on this fifth time, Elder Heard asked the new missionary to bear his testimony. As he bore his testimony to her about the truth of the gospel, she had an amazing spiritual witness from the Holy Ghost mm. that what he was saying was true. I know Margaret recorded a number of her spiritual experiences. Are you happy to share You know how she described that feeling and I guess what it meant to her? Um, it's hard for me to do it justice in words. Of course. Um, but there was just a really powerful burning in the bosom mm. and uh, power, you know, her body was filled with light that was coming from one of the other missionaries. Mm. Just an amazing experience which words can't do justice to. But the missionaries challenged her to be baptised. She hadn't been thinking of baptism and I think she agreed that night. She had this powerful witness and then the missionaries asked her to continue on after they'd gone reading chapters 11 to 26 of the third book Nephi mm -hmm. and she did that mm. and uh, so this is the part of the Book of Mormon which describes Jesus uh, Jesus appearing to the Nephites yes, that's yep. right yeah so it's the visitation from Jesus and you actually get this you know, when we read those scriptures, we get this incredible feeling, you know, that we're there and we can feel the love and tenderness of the Saviour. And as she was reading this, the witness returned to her. Mm. You know, she read for an hour till she was, you know, virtually exhausted and, you know, went to bed that night, woke up the next morning a different person. Mm. So she now knew that God lived, God and Christ were real, that the Holy Ghost was real, that the Book of Mormon was true, therefore Joseph Smith was a prophet, that missionaries are important in this life, mm. that missionary service is very important, that serving a mission is just is a, one of the greatest things that we can do.
to help others. She also understood then that Heavenly Father, from the witness she had, Heavenly Father knows us as individuals. Mm. And he's interested and involved in our life intimately. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful truth, isn't it? Mm. Um, so you're in Adelaide for most of this. Yes, process. I am. So I how am. do you become aware that she's now um, feeling very strongly about the church? Well, Margaret called me up and said, the missionaries have been teaching me the gospel and I want to get baptised tomorrow. And I said to her, well, I said, you know, you're an adult woman, you're an, you, you, know, you know your own mind. I'm, I'm quite happy with that. That's, that's kind of a remarkable response, don't you think? Is that your nature? Have you always felt like that when Margaret would come up with let's say, a harebrained scheme to do something else, were you generally supportive of whatever she wanted to do? Or? I had incredible, res- well, I'd say incredible, but I had really, really high respect for her wisdom mm. and intelligence. Mm. So that was an obvious thing for mm. me to say, knowing her. Mm. Anyhow, she called me up after the baptism, I think it was on Sunday. So you weren't even there? No, because I was in camp in Adelaide yeah, working. Okay, so she's time. just like, I'm getting baptised. She asked if she could be baptised. The missionaries asked her to ask me. Mm. And the boys, they didn't get baptised at that Well, stage. Simon got baptised. Margaret called up and said, we got baptised. <laughs> we. <I> said, we? <laughs> what do you mean we? She said, Simon and I. I said, oh, Simon getting ma- baptised into this strange American church. <laughs> Uh, I got over it very quickly. <laughs> so that was the that was the beginning, and Margaret was staying on to sell the house and finish the school year. Mm. And so they were baptised in early October mm-hmm. of nineteen seventy six, and uh, you know probably a month or two months later, at the end of the school year, they came to Adelaide. How was life different? How was Margaret different? after that experience? Because I guess you guys have been living largely apart. You're seeing each other regularly, yeah. but largely apart. Yeah. What did you notice when she moved down to Adelaide? She was happy, you know, happier. She had much more, because in Canberra, we'd only been there, you know, two and a half years or so. And, you know, new city, it takes a while to establish, mm. you know, new friends and purpose. Well, when she came to Adelaide, she now had, she was full of purpose, right? She was, she was full of love. She just wanted to throw herself into the gospel and in the family, right? Mm. And channel her love, <laughs> really. She'd just been, you know, she felt this pure love of Christ. It was something that was always there with her. And um, so that was, the major, that was the major difference. When you think of all these things coming into her life, you know, God and Christ and the Holy Ghost, mm and the purpose of the gospel and the opportunity that we have to progress through the responsibilities we have in the gospel. And then also moving into a, a new city and me with you know work, it was sort of, she had quite a few things on her plate mm. and she was really right into it. So you said 1976, mm. um, what year did you get baptised? I got baptised in 1979, so I got baptised almost three years later. Okay, cool. So what happened in those intervening 
years I know it's three years long yeah. but how would you describe sort of in a condensed way in those three years what was your attitude to the church what was Margaret's attitude to you in relation to the church you know what was happening in your in your home and in your heart yeah well if you can imagine one partner is and the children are really committed to the gospel and heavily involved in the church and the other partner is agnostic mm. It's not a recipe for harmony. Mm. And so I guess I developed a negativity towards the gospel. And so you could just say I was resistant. You know, I was at times argumentative, etc. And then a few things started to happen. One thing that happened was Simon challenged me. He said, Dad, the missionaries say that the theory of evolution is not a correct explanation for how you know, life began. Mm. And I said, they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I began to do my own study on this. Mm. And I finished up after a couple of months saying to the, admitting to the family that I thought the theory of evolution was very fragile. Mm. And as the, as the explanation for the origin of life, I really didn't give it any more credibility. Mm. So you could say maybe that was a step forward, but I was still fairly negative to the whole concept of joining a church, and I was still agnostic. Mm. I wasn't atheistic, but Mm. I was definitely agnostic. So we had this situation where there really wasn't harmony in the family because we're heading in different Mm. directions. I'm stable and they're heading off into the developing in the gospel. Margaret was at church one day and she said she had heard this marvellous talk on fasting. So she decided that she now had a secret weapon at her disposal. (laughs) So she made the commitment that she would fast every Sunday for as long as it would took for me to accept the gospel. And it's interesting, after about a year, things had definitely improved. And she, at that stage, she didn't realise she still had two years to go. Mm. Now, I, I have some regrets about that situation. You know, it was time lost. Mm. And instead of me saying to myself and saying to Margaret, you know, you're an intelligent woman. You know, you've got a lot of wisdom. I can't, I can't understand how you can mm. accept and believe in this gospel. Well. That's the attitude I took. Mm. But, you know, when I look back at it, a much better attitude would, would have been, I love Margaret, I respect her integrity, I respect her intelligence, I know she wouldn't lie to me. Mm. She's had this really powerful witness of the truth of the gospel, of the reality of God and Christ and the Holy Ghost. I reflect on how stupid of me not to take that approach that of at least at the beginning relying on her testimony and her integrity mm. but no I was I didn't have enough humility or too focused on my own intellect to get the help from another person mm. so we just continued on in that way things gradually got better as the missionaries kept on coming. You know, mm-hmm. There must have been hundreds of missionaries that I heard 
bear their testimonies. The mission president, President Wallen and his wife only lived a few hundred metres from our place. Mm. They would drop in regularly to visit. So I finished up being heavily exposed to members of the church. Did you attend church sometimes? For, I don't know, like the primary presentation or when, you know, your second son got baptised or something like that? No, very occasionally. It might have only been a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, not often. Well, what I love about um, Margaret's decision to fast every Sunday for you is it was, it had apparently no expectation of a timeline, right? Right. Her commitment was, I'll fast for as long as it takes, mm-hmm. right? And she could have, after, I don't know, a couple of months, a year, said, this isn't working. But she had enough faith and testimony to just keep going. It's incredible. And, the ebon, and she felt there had been improvement mm. in the harmony in the home. Well, that's interesting. So she's praying, presumably, for you to join the church, mm-hmm. right? Um, but she's also trusting in the, the, the smaller miracles that she's seeing along the way as yeah. evidence of God's love for her yeah. and for you. Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, interesting. So when does this all come to a head then? Do, do the missionaries come over and you have yeah, well, you know, some um, experience? Or it, what it seemed that towards the end of about three years, just the pace of the missionary visits, more and more missionary visits, and they they just seemed so excellent, these young missionaries. I was just so impressed with them. Of course, I later found out that Margaret had really put the pressure on the mission president <laughs> and said, look, this has been going on for long enough. You need to do something about this. Mm-hmm. And... President Wallen started sending in the missionaries who only had about six weeks to go, uh-huh. the really experienced missionaries. Mm. And I remember before I was baptised, two missionaries came one particular night and this young missionary, he was going home in a week's time and he bore his testimony to me. It was a very tearful testimony. He told me how at the age of 17, he felt he had to make a decision as to whether he was going to go on a mission. But he didn't know that the book of whether the Book of Mormon was true, so he really had to pray about it and find out for himself. And he had a very powerful witness that the Book of Mormon was true, and he explained that to me um, tearfully. And I then knew that he knew the Book of Mormon was true, but I still had no desire. Mm. So I didn't think that the fact that he knew something was true. I didn't really see the relevance to me. Mm-hmm. I, I can't explain why, but I just didn't see the relevance to me at that time. I think that's perfectly reasonable. It's almost like you're saying, I believe that you believe it, mm. right? Yes. But it has no bearing on your own experiences, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I wonder as you look back at those three years, in hindsight, do you feel like you'd had sort of spiritual experiences through that time? Or was it that you were too stubborn, you know, and that you weren't really open to those or or ready for those experiences yet? I was open enough to recognise the goodness of people that were Uh visiting. Yep. So you could almost recognise the effect of the gospel on people's lives without necessarily having an experience with the gospel. Yeah. Mm. So 
despite my resistance to religion, I could see the goodness and appreciate the goodness and you know, value it in them. But for some stupid reason, I still didn't see the relevance to me. <laughs> <laughs> so when does this change? So um, we had a state conference coming up, you know, conference of all the wards and mm -hmm. members. And we had a visiting general authority who was Elder Lauren Dunn. Mm -hmm. And in those days, we didn't have area presidencies. We had executive administrators. So he was the executive administrator for the church in Australia and New Zealand. So he was in Adelaide for the conference, which would normally have about a thousand members attending. And he was staying at the mission president's home, President Wallen's place. It just so happened that when Margaret was baptised, Elder Dunn wasn't at that stage a general authority, he was the mission president. Mm. So he was the mission president, which covered the area of Canberra when, Mum was, when oh, okay. Margaret was baptised. So she knew him. Mm. And uh, Margaret's father had passed away and her mother had married again. So Margaret had a question about family history and temple work mm. as to who, when Margaret did the work for them, as to who her mother should be sealed to. Mm -hmm. So Margaret, being quite forward, called up the mission president and said, uh, President Wallen, you have Elder Dunn staying with you over the weekend for state conference. I have a, an important question about family history and I would like to ask him. Mm. President Wallen said, well, fine. This was a Saturday evening. He said, fine, come around 7 o'clock tomorrow morning, tomorrow's state conference, come around 7 a.m. and uh, bring Ted with you. Mm -hmm. So I, I said, fine, to Margaret. So, you know, I was becoming more mellow. Mm. So we went round. President Wallen had a fairly large, the mission home was fairly large. So Margaret went off to one lounge room with Elder Dunn to discuss this question of family history and temple work. So I stayed in the other lounge and I'm talking to President Wallen and that's when it began to happen. Mm. I don't remember a single word that President Wallen said. I couldn't actually hear him even though I'm sitting on the lounge and he's sitting on a chair opposite me. I couldn't hear him. My mind was just overcome with this very powerful thought that I want to be a person like you. Mm. Um, I want to be a person of substance to other people like you are. I want to be a good husband like you are. I want to be a good father like you are. I want to be a good friend like you are. I want to have a strong conviction as to the difference between right and wrong like you do. But I can only be this if I believe the same things that you do. Mm. And then, at that moment, Margaret and Elder Dunn returned from the other room. So we swapped places. Margaret just sat down with Marvin Wallen. And I went into the other room with Elder Dunn. Mm. Um, and Elder Dunn was a man of few words. You know, I had the greatest love and respect for him. Um, he said, uh, Brother Phipps, tell me, why are you procrastinating in joining the church? Very direct question. Mm. I gave an incredible, pretty stupid answer, I think. <laughs> I said, well, I've, you know, I've read the Book of Mormon and uh, 
which wasn't quite the truth. I'd skimmed through it you know, quite uh-huh. a few times. And I said, it seems to me it's all about war. And uh, I said, I'm more of a pac- pacifist, you know. <laughs> he didn't say anything. And then I said, and then there's the question of the priesthood only just having been given to those of African descent. It was 1978, was it? So just the year yeah, preceding? the year yeah. before, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder why that took so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I said, and then there's this question of tithing, you know, paying 10% of my hard-earned income to this strange American church. Mm. And then I said, and then again, this is where, what I now know, the Holy Ghost took over, and I said, it's very strange, as I'm speaking to you, saying these giving you this answer, these points which used to be important to me do not seem to be important any longer. As I said, he was a man of few words. He didn't say anything. He just looked at his watch and said, well, time's moving on. We'd better get, we've got to go to state conference. Hmm. So that was the end of it. So went home with Margaret and I had agreed with Margaret that I would go to state conference. So about an hour later, we went off to state conference at Ferrell Chapel. And uh, that day, because I had about a thousand people, so that all of the chapel was full, all of the recreation recreation hall behind it, and all of the stage Mm -hmm. was completely full, jam-packed. So here we are sitting in the chapel, and uh, the state president gets up. They had the sustaining of church officers, and then President Hooper said, we'd like to ask uh, a few people have come forward and bear their testimony, share their testimony. So um, I sat forward nice and comfortably, you know, because I, you know, I was going to enjoy listening to people. So these three people got up and bore their testimonies and I thought that's fine. And then the state president got up and then said, we'd like Brother Phipps to come forward and bear his testimony, share, or no, share a few thoughts. Wow. Now, Margaret was shocked. She told me later, because she's, what's he doing? He's got no testimony to bear. <laughs> and she said she thought I looked a little white when, I, when my name was mentioned. That's the least of it. You know, I got up, and as I got up to go forward, I thought, well, I can go out the side door into the car park and disappear. Mm. But I had enough ego and pride to think how embarrassed Margaret and the boys would be. Mm. I didn't want to inflict that on them. Mm. So I went forward and I um, I think I said something, tried to be funny. We all try to be a comedian encouragement. <laughs> and everyone politely laughed. I'm glad I can't remember what I said. <laughs> and I spoke about how with the gospel in our home, I'd definitely seen a change, more love in the home, more love and more harmony. And then I said something, which again, this is where I lost control of my will, the Holy Ghost was obviously, Mm. I said, and I feel that baptism is getting closer by the minute. Mm. Margaret said that she, when she heard those words, just didn't connect with her. What does he mean by the minute? Mm. You know, it's been three years. <laughs> Anyhow, I sat down and I think Matthew was sitting between Margaret and myself. And I leaned over to Margaret. I said, I think I'll take the big step today. 
And she said, what do you mean? I said, I think I'll get I'm going to get baptised. Mm. And that was, you know, she wanted to jump up and shout hallelujah. Mm. You know, she thought she was going to burst with excitement. Mm. Um, but, but she just wondered whether she'd survive the conference. Mm. <laughs> so she sat next, through the next hour and a half yeah. waiting. So when did you get baptised then? So I, I went out immediately after the conference. I went to see President Wall and said, President, I'd like you to baptise me today. Mm. And he said, oh, great, but wait a minute, we've got to go through a few things. Mm. He said, you have to have an interview with the missionaries. So he got his assistants to interview me and I asked for Elder Dunn to confirm me. And uh, Margaret said it was a great baptism and I was really excited. Well, I remember the interview with the missionaries in the afternoon, mm. the baptismal interview. And I remember feeling just this incredible happiness and privilege at being asked whether I was willing to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ in my life. I just felt so blessed and fortunate mm. to have the privilege of being asked the question and being able to say yes. Mm. And then the next day walking down the street, you know, I thought, I'm a Mormon. I'm just a member of the church. I am so happy. Mm. This is amazing. Mm. So, such an amazing experience. Um, and I find, you know, I find it amazing at both how long and how short the experience is, you know. Um, the brief interactions that you'd had with the missionaries sort of three years earlier and, and Margaret's joining along with the boys and... Um, the tensions, all of the experiences that led up to that moment, um, but when the time was right, it was the spirit that converted. You know, it wasn't you wanting to please Margaret. It wasn't no. wanting to have harmony in the home, no. you know, or anything like that. It was when the spirit came, and uh, I love the way you described. Um, I think that answer that you gave Elder Dunn about why you were procrastinating your baptism, right? And you talked about how as you were describing all of these problems you had, you know, they sort of faded into insignificance. Yes. And um, Yeah, so the set of views yeah. and attitudes that I had at the beginning of that morning yeah. had been, because of a kind Heavenly Father, they'd been transformed. Yeah, and what's amazing is none of those problems were solved per se, right? You still didn't understand any more about why people of African descent didn't have the priesthood until a year before. Mm -hmm. You didn't understand any more about tithing or how tithing funds were used. No. You know, any of those things. Well, you just had peace, mm. right? God gave you peace about yeah. those things, and yeah. in time you would come to understand more about um, some of those issues. Others you might still have questions about but it didn't really matter right it was a heavenly intervention mm. into my life oh, so good well i hope you enjoyed hearing part one of my conversation with ted tune in next week for part two where we speak about how the gospel blesses ted's life that's all i have for you this week until i speak to you again here in the bishop's office